Hello and welcome back to the Bible Podcast. Today is June 21st. We're working through Job. Today we'll read chapters 32 through 34. Let's go ahead and get started. Job chapter 32. Job's three friends refused to reply further to him because he kept insisting on his innocence. Then Elihu, son of Barakel, the Yebuzite of the clan of Ram, became angry. He was angry because Job refused to admit that he had sinned and that God was right in punishing him. He was also angry with Job's three friends, for they made God appear to be wrong by their inability to answer Job's arguments. Elihu had waited for the others to speak to Job because they were older than he was. But when he saw that they had no further reply, he spoke out angrily. Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzite, said, I am young and you are old, so I have held back from telling you what I think. I thought those who are older should speak, for wisdom comes with age. But there is a spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them, that makes them intelligent. Sometimes the elders are not wise, sometimes the aged do not understand justice. So listen to me and let me tell you what I think. I have waited all this time, listening carefully to your arguments, listening to you grope for words. I have listened, but not one of you has refuted Job or answered his arguments. And don't tell me he is too wise for us, only God can convince him. If Job had been arguing with me, I would not answer your kind of logic. You sit there baffled, with nothing more to say. Should I continue to wait, now that you are silent? Must I also remain silent? No, I will say my peace. I will speak my mind, for I am full of pent-up words, and the spirit within me urges me on. I am like a cask of wine, without a vent, like a new wineskin ready to burst. I must speak to find relief. So let me give my answers. I won't play favorites or try to flatter anyone, for if I tried flattery, my Creator would soon destroy me. Chapter 33 Listen to my words, Job. Pay attention to what I have to say. Now that I have begun to speak, let me continue. I speak with all sincerity, I speak the truth, for the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Answer me if you can. Make your case and take your stand. Look, you and I both belong to God. I too was formed from clay, so you don't need to be afraid of me, I won't come down hard on you. You have spoken in my hearing, and I have heard your very words. You said, I am pure, I am without sin, I am innocent, I have no guilt. God is picking a quarrel with me, and he considers me his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks and watches my every move. But you are wrong, and I will show you why. For God is greater than any human being. So why are you bringing a charge against him? Why say he does not respond to people's complaints? For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams. He speaks in visions in the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. He makes them turn from doing wrong. He keeps them from pride. He protects them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. Or God disciplines people with pain on their sick beds, with ceaseless aching in their bones. They lose their appetite for even the most delicious food. Their flesh wastes away and their bones stick out. They are at death's door. The angels of death wait for them. But if an angel from heaven appears, a special messenger to intercede for a person and declare that he is upright, he will be gracious and say, rescue him from the grave, for I have found a ransom for his life. Then his body will become as healthy as a child's, firm and youthful again. 
When he prays to God, he will be accepted, and God will receive him with joy and restore him to good standing. He will declare to his friends, I sinned and twisted the truth, but it was not worth it. God rescued me from the grave, and now my life is filled with light. Yet God does these things again and again for people. He rescues them from the grave so they may enjoy the light of life. Mark this well, Job. Listen to me, for I have more to say. But if you have anything to say, go ahead. Speak, for I am anxious to see you justified. But if not, then listen to me. Keep silent, and I will teach you wisdom. Chapter 34 Then Elihu said, Listen to me, you wise men. Pay attention, you who have knowledge. Job said, The ear tests the words it hears, just as the mouth distinguishes between foods. So let us discern for ourselves what is right. Let us learn together what is good. For Job also said, I am innocent, but God has taken away my rights. I am innocent, but they call me a liar. My suffering is incurable, though I have not sinned. Tell me, has there ever been a man like Job, with his thirst for irreverent talk? He chooses evil people as companions. He spends his time with wicked men. He's even said, why waste time trying to please God? Listen to me, you who have understanding. Everyone knows that God doesn't sin. The Almighty can do no wrong. He repays people according to their deeds. He treats people as they deserve. Truly, God will not do wrong. The Almighty will not twist justice. Did someone else put the world in his care? Who set the whole world in place? If God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would turn again to dust. Now listen to me if you are wise. Pay attention to what I say. Could God govern if he hated justice? Are you going to condemn the Almighty Judge? For he says to kings, you are wicked, and to nobles, you are unjust. He doesn't care how great a person may be, and he pays no more attention to the rich than to the poor. He made them all. In a moment they die, in the middle of the night they pass away. The mighty are removed without human hand. For God watches how people live, he sees everything they do. No darkness is thick enough to hide the wicked from his eyes. We don't set the time when we will come before God in judgment. He brings the mighty to ruin without asking anyone, and he sets up others in their place. He knows what they do, and in the night he overturns and destroys them. He strikes them down because they are wicked, doing it openly for all to see. For they turned away from following him. They have no respect for any of his ways. They cause the poor to cry out, catching God's attention. He hears the cries of the needy. But if he chooses to remain quiet, who can criticize him? When he hides his face, no one can find him, whether an individual or a nation. He prevents the godless from ruling so they cannot be a snare to the people. Why don't people say to God, I have sinned, but I will sin no more? Or, I don't know what evil I have done, tell me. If I have done wrong, I will stop at once. Must God tailor his justice to your demands? But you have rejected him. The choice is yours, not mine. Go ahead and share your wisdom with us. After all, bright people will tell me, and wise people will hear me say, Job speaks out of ignorance. His words lack insight. Job, you deserve the maximum penalty for the wicked way you have talked. For you have added rebellion to your sin. You show no respect, and you speak many angry words against God. So it sounds to me like Elihu's just talking out of the side of his neck, really just to hear himself talk. And uh, you've probably been in the presence of folks like that, and very off-putting.
Job's comforters could not stomach the idea that any human could be truly innocent. Job's claim to innocence also seems to conflict with the biblical teaching that no one is righteous, not even one. All fall short of God's glorious standard. Was Job right in proclaiming his innocence? Eliphaz and the others talked right past Job. When they denied that Job could be right or pure, they were referring to the absolute qualitative difference between the creature and the Creator. But Job was not claiming absolute purity. He acknowledged his youthful sins and was aware of his need to have his sins and his guilt covered. Nonetheless, Job repeatedly claimed to be a man of integrity and innocence in his relationship with God. Even Eliphaz acknowledged that Job's life was upright. Job's faith made him doggedly pursue an audience with God and tenaciously believe in God's justice despite his immediate experience. Job kept looking for his Redeemer. Although God's justice might require a mediator, and it might not be evident before death, it guaranteed Job's acquittal. No calamity would separate Job from the love of God, even if he did not know that this love came in Christ Jesus. Job lived by believing and not by seeing. When held up to the light of Christ's absolute righteousness, Job stands with all of us as a sinner. Job was not justified by his deeds, but by his faith. And on that basis, God declared that Job was blameless, a man of complete integrity. God does the same for us when we, like Job, put our complete trust in him. Looking back in recent history, French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre was born on this day in 1905. He believed that each of us wants to become God, and God cannot possibly exist. He expressed these ideas in novels, plays, and short stories, as well as in theoretical works. In his book, Being and Nothingness, Sartre wrote, Man can will nothing unless he has first understood that he must count on no one but himself, that he is alone, abandoned on earth in the midst of his infinite responsibilities, without help, with no other aim than the one he sets for himself, with no other destiny than the one he forgoes for himself on this earth. The troubled philosopher died in Paris in 1980. Elihu was also a troubled philosopher. Although he believed in God, his understanding of the Creator was distorted. Elihu gives four speeches trying to justify God's actions. First, he contends that God speaks to all people, and thus, even though he is a young man, he has every right to speak and even has the understanding to do so. Second, he reiterates that God is just and what has happened to Job is well-deserved. And third, he seeks to show that God honors the righteous and condemns the prideful, just as he has Job. And finally, fourth, he pleads with Job to accept what has happened to him as God's discipline and to humbly repent. Looking deeper, when our pet theories are challenged, we often react very badly. Elihu was incensed because Job's friends couldn't convince Job of his sin. Elihu rudely jumped in. Arrogance pushes us to insane and inane statements and positions. Elihu presumed that he had an inside track on what God was thinking on this whole matter with Job. Pride pushes God off the throne and puts us there. Elihu was so full of himself that he bragged, But now, Job, listen to my words. Pay attention to everything I say. Arrogance is ugly, causing us to drop all pretense of manners and niceness. Elihu was brutal in his attack on the ailing Job. He screamed at him, You are not right. If a person thinks he knows all the answers, 
he is only showing his ignorance. Elihu ordered Job to either speak up or listen to me. Be silent, and I will teach you wisdom. Let's end with prayer. Help me, Lord, to always have a humble spirit and a gracious attitude to all I meet. May my ministry to others not be shot through with arrogance, but filled with grace and understanding. It's always great to be with you here on the Bible Podcast and looking forward to uh, tomorrow as we cover Job chapters 35 through 37. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you peace.